and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Um, are you ready for a great night in the presence of God? <laughs> Me too. Hey, um, we're going to read, um, read Psalm chapter 73, verses 16 to 17. Psalm 73, verses 16 to 17. A worship leader named Asaph writes this. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Um, when I was uh, in year 10, I went on student exchange to Italy. And, um, and I, I had a great time, but my host family was very anti-faith, okay? So what happens is you, you go and you live with another family, and they were, they were mega anti-faith. Um, and so uh, I was like a crazy, what you would call a crazy Christian. Like, I still am, but like when I was younger, it was, it was a tad uh, less palatable and more intense, okay? And so here I was, the crazy Christian with this very anti-faith family, um, to the point where they would like, they would make sure that I wasn't doing anything God. They would actively check my bag when I left to make sure that I didn't have my Bible. So I found myself on the third story of this apartment building, throwing my Bible down into the hedge below. I honestly felt like I was smuggling Bibles into China, like national espionage sort of stuff. Like that's what it felt like. I was living my spy kid's dream as I as I threw my Bible off the balcony and uh, this beautiful message paraphrase, leather bound, and it had all of these creases all throughout it because I would throw it off the balcony. So I would walk around um, my little town of, it was called Mekoyano, and I would walk around and I would pray and I would sing and I would read my, I'd find places to read my Bible. But when I came home, I sat in the first church service and I hadn't been to church other than a Catholic church where I understood nothing. The, the whole time I un- understood zip all. And I sat there being like, surely God, this is worth it. I sat there. Uh, when I came home though, I went to my first church service. I went to youth or church. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit was telling me, Jackson, rededicate your life rededicate your life. But I'm sitting there thinking, I, do you know how much I read my Bible? Do you know how much I prayed when I was away? I, I'll tell you more about this later, but I literally had no friends other than God while I was there. <laughs> Surprising, I know. <laughs> do you know what I did like, like in the, the spiritual realm? And this whole time, I'm sitting in this church service and God said to me, rededicate your life. Like, make the public decision, I am rededicating my life. Well, I didn't because I was stubborn. (laughs) And my youth pastor at the time came up to me at the end of the service and just checked that I was okay because I was clearly in some sort of, like, internal wrestle. And when I told him the story and I told him what I felt like God was asking me to do, he said to me, and I've, 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 like, one of those, like, core memories... I never forgot it. And he said, sometimes the best thing to go forward is to go backwards. And right there, he led me in a prayer of rededicating my life. 
I've titled tonight's message, Going Back to Move Forward. Going Back to Move Forward. Because this, this psalm that we just read, this guy called Asaph, I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these words right, but um, I, I doubt many people in the room other than Pastor Con can pronounce them, so we're just going to roll with, with whatever. We're going to call him Asaph. Asaph was a worship leader um, in the temple. He was one of three chief worship leaders. And in this psalm, he writes this psalm about, he gets into like, he's worshipping on the outside. He's like, he's doing all of it on the outside. He's performing in front of everyone on the outside. But on the inside, he's starting to have a really intense conversation with God. What he's starting to notice is he's starting to ask the question of like, God, I am giving up so much for you. I'm giving up so I'm living a life of purity. I am worshipping. I've given up my whole life to follow in your footsteps. I'm leading your people in worship. But I can see the wicked people prosper while I feel like I'm withering. And he starts to ask questions. Is it even worth it to keep my life pure? He, he, he says... He writes further up in the psalm, he even says, if people knew what I was saying, it would cause trouble. And what I am feeling for tonight is I feel like God, I know that we're all really good worshippers and I know that we're all really, we've got amazing spiritual disciplines. But I feel like God wants to, to, to like do some work on the internal conversation we're having in our heart. The, the, the conversation that we're not particularly prepared to let other people know about because it would cause trouble. It would, it would get me into strife. And I feel like, like Asaph, the worship leader, God is saying tonight, we've got to deal with that wrestle between your heart and your mind. That thing that's going on the inside, we're going to do some work there. And so here's this verse. And we're going to read it again. Psalm 73, verse 16 to 17. He says, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. If, I can, if, I, if I've got a sense of what is going on, particularly like in all of us, but particularly in young adults and young professionals, I get the sense that the questions that we're asking internally that we're maybe not letting anyone else know about, it's causing us deep trouble on the inside. And there is this, there is this there, I, the sense that I get is that the wrestle is so intense that it is consuming our entire relationship with God. Now our relationship with God is not about His goodness. It's not about um, just experiencing and enjoying time with our Heavenly Father. All of a sudden, our relationship with God is about figuring out the troubling questions that we've got in our lives. We're trying to figure out what's good and what's bad. And we're trying to think, God, how are you going to make this right? And we're trying to reason with ourselves just like this worship leader was. But then in verse 17, it troubled him deeply. Until I entered the sanctuary of God. Until I got in the presence of God, then I understood their final destiny. Then I understood their final destiny. I believe that, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking us a question tonight. When is the last time you experienced the love of God. When's the last time, because with the word sanctuary, I could have gone a few different ways, but I feel the Holy Spirit asking us tonight to consider, when did you feel the love of God for the like, last time? Because if it was more than, I don't know what's reasonable. A, a week ago? 
a day ago? I actually think God might want to speak to that. And I think what I sense God saying in this verse is saying, hey, Horizon Church, there's a lot of questions going around in our world. There's a lot of questions that young adults and young professionals are asking. There's a lot of trouble that we're seeing. There's a lot of stuff that we can't reconcile, A and B. There's a lot of stuff going on. But when you get in the sanctuary of my love, when you get in to the place where you are encountering the love of God daily, when you get into the place where it's not all about the questions, it's just about enjoying your heavenly Father and getting into that space where you can worship and you can praise, experiencing the love of God. I feel like God is saying, I will let you figure out the answers to your questions. I love Horizon Church because we're not a dumb church. <laughs> we, don't, we, don't, we don't disengage our mind and that's not what this message is about. God will actually lead you to the answers. But it is from a place of, a, of satisfaction in the love of God where you and I don't have to walk this earth unsatisfied, discontent, not being able to connect with the presence of God because of all the questions. No, in fact, I feel God saying tonight, I've got such a dose of my love for you that you will be able to tackle all of the big questions, but from a place where your spirit is fully satisfied, where you're going to walk this earth and you're going to walk throughout 2023 and you are going to conquer some significant challenges. You are going to overcome some epic mountains. You are going to conquer some absolute Goliaths. But the whole time you're on this journey, Jackson, I'm going to make sure that you are completely, totally satisfied. My question to you tonight is, are you satisfied? Because if not, I think you're in company, but God is going to do a work tonight. Going back to move forward, dealing with the internal conversation. Can I bring up three things that I think stop us from encountering the love of God daily? Can I do that? Number one, too much pressure on your devotional time. Okay, this is a bit bizarre from a pastor. Too much pressure on your devotional time. Here's what I found in, as I'm just sensing what God is doing in our church right now, is God is wanting to take the pressure off your devotional time. That there are too many of us who are saying, it's got to look like this. It's got to be like this for this amount of time. And it has become bigger than Ben-Hur to encounter the love of God. Can I tell you that the love of God is so easy to encounter? In fact, you can encounter it at any point of the day. I encourage you, close your eyes, go to the cubicle, do what you've got to do, close your eyes and just say, God, I need to feel your love and you feel it right here. He, it has become bigger than Ben-Hur for some of us. I've got to say that taking the constraints, taking the pressure, making our, our time with God fun again, I think is one of the best things that God can do and we can do for our relationship with God. Um, I used to, uh, not anymore, um, I, I have a living room that I absolutely love right now and that is my space with God. In fact, when Alyssa gets up earlier than she should in the morning and interrupts my space with God, I get very angry. Um, side note, I thought couples were like married people were meant to devotion together. Um, I'm not sure if we are, uh, but I'm just saying it works better for the both of us to do it separately. Um, uh, for a long time though, as I was learning to enjoy the presence of God, as I was learning to like feel His love every single day, I would spend um, up to $11 for a coffee and banana bread every day of the week. 
okay? Sometimes just a coffee, sometimes a banana bread, more often than not, a banana bread as well. I do think banana breads from Grind in Cronulla are heaven sent. If you just want a feel-good pick-me-up on a weekend rainy morning, go to Grind and get yourself a banana bread extra toasted. Okay, but I've always, ever since I was 15 and I started doing this, I had the people that would come up to me and say, Jackson, do you know $4.50 a day is $23 per week? $23 per week is $100 per month. $100 per month is $1,200 per year. Do you, do you really think that you should be spending a coffee, uh, money on a coffee that much per day? And I just feel like asking, and how's your relationship with God going? <laughs> no, come on. I, 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 am I the only one that thinks if it's $4.50 that gets you into the presence of God every day, how worth it is that? I'm saying we've got to find a way to make our time with God enjoyable again. And if for you, do it over a meal. I feel for some people that you've got to, um, you've got to cut the, 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 the um, routine that you've got at the moment and just open up the Psalms and start from Psalm 1 and read the whole way through. Read until you feel like stopping. I feel like some people you've got to, um, uh, the way that you should start your quiet times if you're feeling heavy in life is I'm going to journal every day 10 things that I'm grateful for. And then I'm going to open up my Word and I'm going to let the love of God come and saturate my heart. Paul was in a prison when he wrote and he prayed over the Ephesians this in Ephesians 3 verse 17 to 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I just know that our devotional lives, for every person in the room, God has a fresh wave of the love of God to encounter you in your devotional life. I see you open up, I see us opening up our Bibles and in the morning or the evening or whenever we choose to do it on the train, in the cubicle, wherever, it's the love of God saturating our heart. And the mind, it doesn't switch off and we don't become incapacitated to all of the things that are going on around us. We've still got a job to move our church forward and to, to move the kingdom of God forward and to reconcile A and B, but we do it from a place of satisfied, satisfied in the love of God. Secondly, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to say to us tonight that perhaps some of us are being too critical on ourselves. Too critical on ourselves. Um, is anyone else in the room today just like um, really clumsy and forgetful and, uh, if I can put it crassly, dumb at times? Because, hello all the teenagers, yes, yes, hello, yes, yes, hi. Um, I remember uh, I, live in, um, I lived in Cornell with my mum um, and... Um, my mum, she went to the Philippines for two years to live, um, and my sisters and my mum went to the Philippines. Now, one thing you've got to know about Cornell, it's actually changed. They built this really great park, and now all of the families, like, house prices are skyrocketing, and um, all of the house prices, like, all of these young families. But before they moved in, um, they've been purchasing the land off, um, I think, quite a lot of dodgy people. Um, it was the place in the Shire that you didn't want to go. And... Um, I remember late one night, um, really, really, really late one night, 
um, I was driving home. We live at the end of a cul-de-sac and you can um, see, you can't see our house at the end of the cul-de-sac. It's to the left. What you can see when you drive down our street is you can see our backyard and then through a fence. And you know, it's that wire that sort of goes like this. You get what I'm saying? So you can sort of see through into the next person's backyard. And um, so I'm driving down really, really late at night. I know our next door neighbours are really, really interesting people. Um, They run a nursery, like a plant nursery. And um, I've always wondered, they're not the type of people that would run a plant nursery. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I've always had my suspicions. Um, they're, they're doing weird stuff late at night. I've always, always, always had my suspicions. I steer well clear. I want to remind you that I was living at my, by myself at the time. There was just me in that house. Um, and I'm driving home and I can see what I can only describe as like welding happening at 1am in the morning through my fence. Like big flashes of light, like zzzz, zzzz. And I can see this as I'm driving up my driveway, uh, up, the, up the road to my driveway. And so I'm alone. I am in Kernel by myself. I'm scared. So I turn off my headlights and I creep all the way into my driveway. I lock my car with the key. I can hear drunk people yelling and talking and singing and zzz and zzz. And literally where I park my car is like, like, like so close to this, this like random little um, like container ship. I know it's getting so dodgy. I get it. Um, so going zzz. And I go inside or attempt to. And I get to the front door and I look at my front door really intently. And with my remote, I press unlock on my, on my remote to open the front door. And as I'm staring intently at the door, it goes beep, beep. And behind me, my car is like flashing, like, and making really loud sounds. And I think to myself, dumb. So I creep back out. It's going and I lock my car with the key because I don't want to make any more noise and I don't want to draw any more attention. And I creep back to my front door and I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted. And I'm like, I'm going to open this door and I get out my remote and I press the button to unlock and it goes beep, beep. <laughs> and I go back to, to open, um, to lock my door again. And then I hear this, oi! <laughs> and as I'm putting the, car, the key in the car, I'm like, and he's like, He rips open a panel of fencing and he goes, get in here. At this point, I know I'm dead. Like there is some seriously, I know I'm, I I can't judge. And like, it's only allegedly, I get the, we have to use the word, allegedly they're doing some dodgy stuff. And so I puff out my chest. I know. And in the deepest voice that I have, I say, no. And he says, get in here. And I say, my family's inside, no. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, there is not one person inside. The grass of my backyard is up to my knees. There is clearly a, this is a derelict, uncared for house because no one lives here. And he goes, we need to talk about getting this fence fixed. And I'm like, I'll speak to you tomorrow. 
And I go, I go inside, I open my door and I get up first thing the next morning and I mow my lawn. It's so crazy that that moment where I hit my leg and I, and I called myself names and I hit my leg like this. That's a recurring thing in my life where I'm really critical on myself. Where I, when I do something dumb and even if it's only a little dumb, I can be so self-critical and I can approach my relationship with God with like, God, I am this and 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 I'm filthy and I'm gross and I'm disgusting and I'm wrong. And, and the whole time, the love of God is ready to pour out. But can I just say to you today, God does not see us as our sin. He does not see us as our identity labels that have been put on. He doesn't see us as our past bad mistakes. He doesn't see us as that terrible night so long ago. No, He sees us as His son or His daughter. And God's asking us, you've got to take the, the criticalness, the condemnation isn't from Him. But we often put it on ourselves. I feel like God's saying, that when you get distracted in your devotional life, don't stress too much. Do you know how much my mind wanders when I spend time with God? Like I might sit down an hour with my Bible and only think about God for like 20 minutes. And I think that's like for me, pretty good. (laughs) The trick is though, every time I realise my mind has wandered, I gently bring myself back to the Father's love. I want to read these verses over you. John 15 verse 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Gently bring yourself back. He doesn't see you as your sins deserve. Psalm 112 verse 12, uh, 9 to 12, sorry. It says, He will not always accuse nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I wanna tell us tonight, God has taken away the sins that we've committed He does not see us as our past mistakes. I really feel that today, that there are people where you have now, you now come to God as your mistake. You are no longer your mistake. He took it to the cross. And He says, come to me not as your mistake, not as your sin, not as your identity label. Come just as child of God. Stop being too critical. Bring yourself back just gently. If you've gone astray, it's okay. The love of God is so good. Gently bring yourself back. And I'm going to invite the band up. Number three, things that stop us from encountering the love of God daily, entering the sanctuary. Number three, moving on to a greater revelation. And I say greater in inverted commas, a greater revelation. Um. Now, I'm gonna, um, we're going to move into a time of communion. It's going to be so fun. I think this is like, welcome to Sunday nights, 2023, starting with communion. Um, our host team, if, they, if you haven't got communion, you can give them a wave and our host team are going to get you communion and keep waving until they get to you and I'm going to keep speaking and I think a lot of teenagers will probably need communion. 
Moving on to a greater revelation. Moving on to a greater revelation. Um, I read through while we were away. I um, I just I just fell in love with my Bible again. I bought a new version. Sometimes um, isn't it magic when you like when you read a new version? And I'd been reading the NIV for so long, and I I bought an NLT version, and I I I was like I felt a little bit guilty. I was like, have I ever read this before? Like it was just so fresh and so. Wonderful. So I fell in love. Um, I just fell in love with reading my Bible. Um, I didn't do much journaling. I just read and I highlighted and I might have scribbled in the columns and I just sat in the love of God day after day. The book of Galatians, if I can summarise it, was written to a group of people who had moved on from just Christ and Christ alone, Jesus and His love, and that's it, back to Jesus and the law, and it started to become a mixture of two. And Paul writes to the Galatians and says, who's taken you captive again? It's Christ and Christ only. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. These people had moved on from just Jesus. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of people who started worshipping celestial beings. And the writer of Hebrews literally writes to them and says, did God give the angels a seat at the right hand of the throne of God? And it was people who started in Jesus, but then moved on, (laughs) moved on to worship something greater. When I was in Italy, um, I had no friends. And so I decided um, to take up uh, squad swimming to make friends. Um, Ironic, because swimming by nature is quite a lonely sport. Um, And I met no one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) There I am swimming laps of the pool thinking let's make some friends ladies and gentlemen and uh, can tell you this, made none. Um, One thing I can tell you is that you get very hungry after swimming and the trouble is um, my host family, we had a, we had a, a few points of tension and one of the major ones was they were feeding me rabbit Um, and I just, I, I, I'm really sorry if you like rabbit. I, I don't know if I like it or not. I just am against it. Like it's a hard no from me. Um, and they, the worst part about it was like, they were like, no, it's chicken. It's chicken. It's chicken. And I'm like, no, it's rabbit and it's disgusting and I'm not eating it. So I, um, next to the swimming place, uh, and I, I, in Italy, it was in Naples and um That's where margarita pizza originated from. And for €3.50, which is about, at the time, probably about six Australian dollars, you could get a full margarita pizza. But that's it. So every day that I swam, which, because I had no friends, was literally every day. (laughs) um, Afterwards, instead of going home to eat rabbit, I would go to the pizzeria and I would get a pizza and a can of Coke. And I would eat that every night after swimming. And I fell in love with margarita pizza. I don't eat any other type of pizza now, like at all. It is margarita pizza, that's it, the only way, unbelievable, sign me up, I love it. So when I came home, my mum and I, we decided to go on mission to find the best margarita pizza in Sydney. Okay, so we, we started to try restaurant after restaurant to find the best margarita pizza ever. And... Um, would, would you believe it? 
we found the best margarita pizza, not in the city, not in like Ashfield, not in um, all of the Italian centres of Sydney. No, we found it at Queen Margarita in Cronulla. Right, literally down the road. And I remember, in fact, I might get everyone to stand up if we can. And grab out your communion. I remember sitting down with my mum and them serving me a margarita pizza and a can of Coke and I cracked open the Coke and this smell hit me where immediately, like I, I immediately, I was transported back to that little random pizzeria next to the swimming place in Italy. Like I could, I, it, it, was, it was so intense, this feeling of like from the smell, the memory. It took me all the way back to that moment. And when I consider communion and I consider my experience with the margarita pizza, it is no surprise to me that God chose a meal to take us all the way back every time back so that we could remember exactly what He wants us to remember. And what He wants us to remember is this, is that this bread and this juice, it it reminds me that when Christ went to the cross, He did it before I had ever done anything for Him. He did it before I'd ever served Him. He'd done it before I had ever contributed to the house before I'd ever tithed. He did it before he did it before I'd ever sinned. He took me back to this place. Communion takes me back to this place where I'm like, Jesus, you did this for me. Not for any other reason than for God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That so whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the greatest revelation and we don't move on from it. Every other revelation, it's a beautiful addition to for God so loved me. The, The revelation of the mission of the church and my part in it, great revelation for God so loved me. It's the love of Jesus that He takes us back to every time. This evening, I'd like to lead us in a time of communion. And God, I just feel like wants to open up our hearts again and say, I love you so much. I don't want you to live in a place where the questions and the trouble is overtaking me pouring out my love every day. You serve a lot. You worship amazing. You sing incredible. You serve me at work. You serve me at life group. You do all of that sort of stuff. But it's my love that I wanna pour out in you every single day. He wants to return us to the greatest revelation for God so loved me. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes, grab um, grab out the bread.
before we'd done anything. This is not a gospel of works. This is a gospel of God pouring His love out on us. He did it 2,000 years ago. It doesn't matter what mistakes we've made, what we've done, what regrets we have, or how much we serve Him, or how brilliant we are, or how talented and gifted, or how utilised we are by the church. No, this is the greatest, for God so loved the world. So Father God, as we take the bread today, we thank You that You hung on that cross. You humbled Yourself and You took the payment. You took, uh, sorry, You paid the price. You paid the price for our sin. By Your stripes we are healed. We receive the health and um, healing from Your body on that cross in Jesus' mighty Name. Why don't we take the bread today? about to take the juice, representative of the blood that Christ shed for us on the cross. This is what we trust in, that this blood that He shed gives us total access to the Father. This is the greatest revelation, the love of God flowing from God through Jesus to us. Out of love, He, he sacrificed Himself. Now there is not one thing, not one thing. Romans puts it, neither height nor depth, nor anything in creation, not one thing that separates us from the love of God. While I was away, I went to a church service and we sat, uh, we stood taking communion together in this church service. I started to cry as I looked at this juice. How many times remembering this has saved my life? So Father God, as we take the juice today, we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Completely washed clean. We are perfect. We are made whole in You. Our relationship with God is perfect. There is nothing standing between us and the Father. 
our sins through the blood shed on the cross completely removed from us as far as the east is from the west. And we enter into the new covenant. Not law, not good works, not serving, but the love of God through Jesus has made a way. When you're ready, take a moment if you have to and celebrate communion with me. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.